Hey guys, you guys watching? It's here. It's here. It's happening. It's really happening. This is real life. This isn't a dream. Yeah, that's right, guys. What is it? Oh, yeah. There we go. That's right, it's time. We're grilling tonight. We're grilling and chilling in this day. Uh, yeah, guys, so the deal is, I'm gonna just do a little test cook. Not gonna do anything fancy today. This is my first real cook. I just cooked some burgers to like get the shit off of the grill. So, uh, I've got a steak here. I've got eight. Ah, a yummy looking guy. I know meat is murder and uh, we need to eat less beef, but damn it, while it's there, gonna have a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, trigger warning for uh, participating in the bovine holocaust. I, I, I agree, but I'm weak. I'm a weak man. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna get these coals good in this uh, chimney which by the way somebody recommended on here that I get a chimney so I don't have to mess with uh, lighter fluid very thank very very thankful this thing is honestly idiot proof which is great because I'm an idiot uh, so you just dump the coals in here you light some newspaper underneath it and it just cook gets them all cooked up and then you dump them out and they're ready uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be um, I'm going to be what do you call it uh, going to be preparing a steak uh, after the fashion of my good friend uh, and America's favorite Italian-American comedian, Mike Racine. Uh, one of the best chefs I know. Him and Will are really kind of the two best cooks I know. Uh, and he gave me this, uh, this way to cook a nice piece of beef where you reverse sear. So I'm going to do indirect heat for about 10 minutes, get it nice and kind of gray, and then boom, put it right on the fire for however it longs to get nice and scorched. We're doing the reverse here, out here in this place. We're doing the reverse here, get up out of my face. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're doing good here. We're doing good, guys. Uh, uh. Trying to think of a way to put this thing around so I don't have to hold it. It's kind of annoying. Uh, actually, you know what? I got a uh, I got a thing I'm gonna get that'll help. Hold on. Be right back. Sorry.
Uh, feels a little Blair Witch right there. I'm sure that was kind of traumatic, so sorry about that, guys. I got a little dude here that I use. Yeah. Uh. So, what do you guys, what's up? What do you guys want to talk about? I gotta say guys, I'm not gonna really take any questions about the protest movement and everything because I just recorded a one-on-one -on -one, me and Chris for Chapo this week where I kind of tried to make sense of everything I've been putting together in my head and on here for the last week or so uh, into something kind of synthetic and, and unified field. So I'm really kind of spent on the topic and in fact now I feel really kind of relieved because I feel like I finally expressed what I've been trying to get at. And I hope, I hope people like it. I'm sure it'll be divisive. I hope it is. I hope some people get pissed. Because if they didn't, then I didn't really express myself well enough. But I, I, I feel good about it. So anything else you guys want to talk about? Oh man, Olaf Palm's assassination? I mean, hasn't, hasn't there been like a kind of a revert, a, a slow motion, a drip by drip, uh, um, limited hangout about South African intelligence shit over the last decades. Like, they, they let slip the stuff about killing Ruth first, and then they let slip the stuff about beating Biko to death, and let slip the stuff about the germ warfare and the nuclear uh, weapons plans that all kind of just went over by the, by the way, the same way that CIA over time limited hangout their stuff, you know? And considering what they were up to in the 80s, I mean, that entire regime was going through a complete nervous breakdown because they were so under so much pressure and, and they were so terrified of losing that they, they went absolutely ham. They, they, had, they had torture camps in the middle of the, the veldt where they, had, they were barbecuing people. Uh, they assassinated people all over the world, poisoned people. Uh, there's, accus there's accusations in uh, Cold Case Hammerstroll documentary about the assassination of uh, Dag Hammerstroll in the Congo. Uh, parenthetically, that there's like a South African uh, front intelligence company, uh, like um, a front medical company created uh, by the South African Secret Service to spread AIDS uh, in South Africa. Uh, and none of that stuff would surprise me. The assassinating Palm would have been totally in their uh, wheelhouse of what they were up to back then. Because Paul really, Palm really was the, the, the point man for global apartheid uh, uh, divestment. He's one of the guys who, who, who organized what otherwise would have been a much more difficult uh, task of, of getting everybody on board, you know? Because otherwise, South Africa could have leveraged different sides against each other, you know? Triangulated, like China against Russia or something. Oh, I have had charcoal oysters, and I am feeling num 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 num. Just thinking about the oh mon ami, you get those in there, like, you get them charcoal oysters. Oh my, don't worry, you get some of the butter. You put the butter in there, you crush charcoal. Delicious stuff, man. Ooh, I want to get some charcoal oysters on here. I think that might be a that might be one. If I can get a hold of some, if I can get a hold of some fresh oysters, I think there's a purveyor around here. Might get some oysters. Get a hefty like backpack full of them break them open myself put some butter you get that garlic butter you put on there and then you just fall down that fire you get that good fire going and you just can't oh you cook that boy you cook that boy right there that shit 
because oysters you get really are never as good as the ones in restaurants because they get you know they get pride of place because that's where it's the markup is highest so it has to have a certain quality level that you don't necessarily have to have if you're getting it wholesale so wholesale oysters are not going to be as tasty raw uh, I mean a raw oyster is one of the best most perfect foods in the world but only if it's fresh only if it's the right kind only the right time of your season otherwise they're still great. Fry them up. Oh my god. Oh my god. Fry oyster. Oh, they poor boy with their fried oyster and their remoula. Oh my god. Oh, slap your mama. But the char grilled oysters are also phenomenal. I had them in New Orleans. They're great. Mmm. You get a little, little, little lemon, you put a little vinegar on there. You, you know all I can do. Even with their child girl, I still put them horseradish on there. You know I'm going to sprinkle that horseradish in there. Even with that butter, I'm putting that horseradish. I like that tang. Ooh, that tangy horseradish. It really opens it up. I got to say, Cajun food is probably the best American food way. I mean, what's its competition? I mean, Southern cuisine is great. Very heavy, though. Uh, the barbecue is its own weird uh, nerd fiefdom that honestly is kind of alienating because of how sectarian it is. It's like, alright, get over it. Oh, brisket and pork shoulder. Sort it out. I don't care. It's all fine. Just what's in front of me, I'll eat it. Settle down. Um, like, what else? Like, New England? Like, lo lobster's really good, but, you know, they do better seafood in, in the Gulf, even though the oysters aren't as good, which is why they're usually better in New Orleans if you get them, like, fried or, or charbroiled, because the Gulf oysters are not as good as the ones in the North Atlantic or, or especially ooh, especially the West Coast, Washington. Mwah. I might be losing weight. I don't know. I think I've kind of like I've eating less during quarantine, so I think uh, I think I've lost a little weight. Thank you. Okay, I think these guys are ready. I think I'm ready to put these guys around. So let's do it. All right, guys. Oh shit. Sorry. Sorry about that. All right, uh, where's my, oh, there we go, oh, All right, here we go. All right. All right, uh, so now we'll put these guys in a nice pile in the middle. Yeah. There.
then we cover it. So now we can set and forget that one for a bit uh, until it's time for the reverse sear. Uh, it's not hot enough, some people are saying. All right, I'll get some more. He told me 10, that's how many I put on, put on. He told me 10, but I'll get some more. I'll leave it on longer too. I'll leave it on longer too. I need you guys to help me, so thank you for that advice. Like I said, this is this is literally my first time doing anything more complicated than a than a hamburger. So thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed the view of my butt while I was doing that. Medium rare is usually what I get. If it's really high quality meat, I might go, I might go, uh, maybe go rare. I don't know. Usually medium rare though. It seems like that's the ideal way. The golden path. It's all about finding the middle path and everything. That is, that is the righteous path. That is the, uh, the fourfold path. And that's medium rare, baby. Mwah. I had oysters in Portland. They were great. I think my best port oyster experience though, was probably Seattle. Those Washington, uh, those Puget Sound boys are, I think, maybe the best boys. I already salted it. I rubbed up the steak. The steak's all rubbed up. Thank you for that. Thank you. Somebody asked me about Buddhism? What was that? I, didn't, I, saw, I thought someone asked me about Buddhism. If they want to re repeat the question, I'd answer that. Oh no, messages are being deleted. Is, is there a mod war? Is the mod going, are the mods going to war? Oh, uh, that reminds me. Um, 
I'm going to leave this in longer than I would have if I had more uh, hotter coals to begin with, but could you guys, somebody set a 15-minute timer? Yeah, give me a 15-minute timer so I'll know uh, to check. Or actually, no, uh, I'd like to check in like five. I don't have a watch. This is my, and my computer is over there. So could you give me a five-minute uh, uh, alarm right now? Thank you. I think there is an internal phenomenon. I don't know where it is, though. Yeah, Buddhism is great. It did change my life, too. It's good stuff. It's the closest anybody's got. It's the closest to the root that anyone's ever got. Not all the way, because, you know, no one has ever... has all information at any time. It's impossible, so... It's only, a, it's only a shadow of what could be, but it's the deepest to the root, closest to the root. Really, that guy knocked it out of the park. Old Siddhartha Gautama, real, yeah, a real uh, Ted Williams type producer, theologically. Just one of, the, one of the absolute conversation for greatest of all time. I've not been to a temple because I haven't been really able to rededicate myself until like I have this moment while I've been in quarantine, so I haven't been anywhere. Like I haven't even been able to integrate the idea of being outside into my idea of my day-to-day my -day life. I mean, it, my, my routine has been so prescribed now that I, it doesn't even occur to me to do the kind of things that would have, just like everything feels gone, everything, everything feels very far. Because the, the idea of going anywhere, navigating physical space, like, oh, where am I going to do, take an Uber? What am I going to do? walk what am i gonna do take the take a take the train like these are all recipes for corona coronaville baby to uh, population coronaville you i mean uh, pop, never mind pop el welcome to coronaville population you that's it somebody is going ham in the chat apparently getting put into time out they have time out how old are you people are you all babies are you are you the age of those fucking kids that that felix used to kill in fortnite I will be really pissed if you guys are those little babies. If your little bottoms need to be spanked, that is very disappointing to me. I thought I was engaging in some sort of, you know, quasi-Socratic dialogue with an audience of, of adult peers, not, not knaves and, and infants. Ah, oh, I've been pranked. Pranked by the internet again. I mean, obviously, when we talk about the way that modern uh, post-modernity infantilizes uh, uh, first-world subjects such as us, uh, it's fair to say that, yes, you are all babies, emotionally and intellectually, as am I. We, are all, we all have third-grade uh, emotional and intellectual reading levels, because that's how they like to keep us, as little perpetual uh, budding pubescents who need to satisfy every new eruption within them with a purchase. It's the ideal consumer. It's, it's, it's like the, hum, the, the, the consumption machinery of a fucking young person is like, it's like adrenaline. Uh, you get like a, a hummingbird blur, burst uh, because your, your personality is so unformed. You're so anxious and you're so vulnerable socially that purchasing becomes the anchor for identity. And you grow out of that, or you did, you used to grow out of that. But as the stimulation increases, your ability to prolong that, that awful agony continue, uh, increases, and this, the, the capitalistic reward system 
incorporates that into its profit projections, and all of a sudden you have elongated adolescence for everyone under the age of 50, uh, because we've never ended that state of post-pubescent uh, anxiety. Because that makes us better consumers. I tell you guys, everybody asks me to recommend books. I am a fraud. I don't read the books. I'm, I'm all grabbing towards things. Like an infant. I'm grabbing towards these ideas, and then people say, oh, that's in that. And I'm like, I bet it is. That makes sense. I feel more like this stuff is drawn from the ether than from any kind of accumulated uh, rational understanding of the world that I've absorbed. It's very hard to explain, though. All right, five minutes. Let me check. Let me check my guy. Dear. Oh. Oh. It's not really, it doesn't look like it's getting much cooking. It still has to cook, catch more with the coals. So I'm not really going to start looking at it until the coals get more. We might not even, it might, might I might run out of uh, phone battery before this thing is done. I have to accept that. But I want to make it good, damn it. If it doesn't work, I'll just stick to Nathan's famous hot dogs and oysters, which I think I'll be able to do relatively easily. You just get a big flame. You gotta make sure that it's kissing flame. And then just watch those babies just soak up that butter. Oh, I mean, mwah. A young Sergio Leone, I guess, thank you? I don't really know what he looks like. He's certainly a talented director. He made so many wonderful films. What is best Balkan nation? Uh, Serbia, number one, number one Serbia. No. Uh, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, right? So I have a, I have a Balkan, uh, I have a, I honestly do, for as far as an American can, uh, because I'm from the American Balkans, I have a Balkan sense of, of, of state identity. So I have to go with the Balkan state that Wisconsin is. And we talked about this the other day, uh, and we came up with some stuff, and I think, thinking on it, I think the true answer is Serbia, it all starts with Serbia is Ohio. That cannot be defeated. I think Croatia is Michigan then, and I'm pretty sure that Wisconsin is Slovenia. So Slovenia is the best Baltic country because I am from the Slovenia of the United States. The problem is what... Mm, Shit. The problem I have is Minnesota has a really good claim for being the Mo Slovenia of the Balkans, too. That's my problem. Not Illinois. Illinois is not Slovenia. Minnesota is, could be Slovenia. I mean, obviously, I like the idea of Slovenia being Wisconsin because then you got the Zizek connection, which is cute. But I think Minnesota might have a better claim on being Slovenia than Wisconsin does, and then I don't know what Wisconsin is. It's not Montenegro, for sure. It's uh, not Bosnia. I think Indiana is Bosnia. 
But it's not like Macedonia. Maybe it's not even in the Balkans. Maybe it's like, uh, maybe Wisconsin is, uh, maybe Wisconsin's Bulgaria or something. Maybe it's Bulgaria. Oh, Romania. That's it. Wisconsin's Romania. Nope, nope. You know what? Switch it and it's perfect. Wisconsin, Slovenia. Fucking Minnesota is Romania. Drop mic. That's done. We did it, guys. That's. I, I will not hear discussion. This is 100% correct. I know it's not Balkan, but we're talking the region. Because there aren't, there isn't, there aren't enough perfect analogs. Because the upper tier is different than the, the rest of uh, the Midwest. And it has to be reflected in that. It's got to still be Slavic as a thing. That's why it can't be Greece. Oh shit, Romania isn't Slavic. God damn it. This is tar. This is really difficult. Well, that's the thing, is that Wisconsin is literally Czechos uh, the Czech Republic. I mean, if you want to talk about direct, comp uh, you know, that Bohemian, those Bohemians moved to Wisconsin. So it is literally, in terms of the population, they came from Bohemia, which is now the Czech Republic, or Czechia. So if you want to go with that and, like, allow yourself to stay Slavic and move out of the Balkans proper, then Wisconsin can be Czech Republic. And then that leaves uh, Slovenia to be Minnesota. It's all very complicated and made up is the thing and stupid and a waste of time. But at least it's not hurting anybody. Yeah, I realized Romania wasn't Slavic. I bungled that. They got ro literally Romania, Romance language. I bungled it. I'm a bungler. I have sinned. I've sinned before the masses. I'm sorry. Looks like they're going hard tonight. Uh, last night I was out and uh, just bumped into a giant. I just stood out on Fulton on uh, on Flatbush and waited. Boom. It's wild. All right, we got a ten-minute warning. Let me take a look. This is going well. It's uh, he warned me about this. It's like a, it's not a very it's not appetizing. It's like kind of grayish brown, like but that's that's the layer you want it to be when you throw it on for the sear. So I think we're on track here. If I get it on the other side the way I got it on that side, and I can get it hot enough in the middle, I think it'll be good. I don't know what the internal temperature is. I, I know, I don't have a meat thermometer. Stop yelling at me. I don't have a thermometer, my friend. I'm doing beef because beef is like the lowest risk that I'm gonna die. Beef is generally the least likely to give me a fucking uh, a, a bug or something. 
That's why I'm picking a nice USDA prime piece of beef so that I can air. Because I don't want to get too vibed out on this. The whole point of this is to be chilling, right? To be like apply, applying oneself to an object, but not to the point of internal stress. And if I, if, and, and right now, like if I was without you guys, if you weren't on here, I would have one. But this is too many things for me to enjoy at any level, any of them. If I add a, if I add a thermometer to this mix, it just throws off the equilibrium, so I can't do it. I understand your concern, but I'm trying to maintain that Zen posture, that balance of all, of all forces. And I, that means you have to know what to drop. You have to know what you can lose. And in this case, because I'm gambling that a nice piece of, uh, of this is really good too, this is like mail order shit, uh, is, is, is not going to have a parasite in it. Uh, I'm willing to roll the dice in order to have a good time and to maintain the chill and grill attitude because a large part of it is the gold cliche the uh, accepting the thing you know the, the ability to, to change the things I can change uh, uh, accept the things I can't and the wisdom to know the difference I mean that is a cliche but like David Foster Wallace was 100% when he's correct when he said all those cliches that they use in like uh, drug rehab and shit they are true and they do have profound meaning the problem is is that if you only learn them from the outside, they're totally tinny and hollow and cliche. You have to learn them from the inside. You have to actually go through your life experience to the point where you get enough understanding of something that it ends up being translated down to a little pocket version of that idea. And all of a sudden, that cliche has meaning and helps you move uh, forward in your life positively. I'm not saying any of it is good. I know that 12-step is a scam and that Alcoholics Anonymous is, a, is a, just a, a Christian cult. I'm just saying that those cliché phrases have meaning if you build it up within yourself. We got the, we got the copters going. You want to hear the copters? Keep stirring the sauce! Keep stirring the sauce and to climb a mountain. Do -do -do. You can swim the sea. Do -do -do. You can jump into the fire. Ba -da -ba -ba, but you'll never be free. Oh. Why did you do that, Karen? Karen, why did you do that? We needed that money. They never would have found it. You can make it grow. Oh. Really good movie. Really, really good movie. see helicopters? I'll always have to stand for good fellows. There's too much about it that I don't deeply respect to not give it the number one spot. Okay, someone's saying AA isn't a Christian cult. I'm just saying what I've heard. I have no idea. I'm saying I have no investment in these things being effective. Just that the, the, the there is an observation to be made that Really profound, life-changing truths are banal when expressed. That's all I'm saying. Like the real shit that moves you off of your ken and sets you on a new course, you, it, when it comes out of you, it comes out in, in flat cliches. Because if everyone else understood it the way you did, they would all be like that. Everyone has different levels of understanding and different vocabularies, and they clang off of one another. And so, 
you just say the thing that's most easily transmittable, which because the other person has not experienced what you did to get to where you are, it sounds like a cliche. It sounds meaningless because they have to do the work to get around into it and make those words mean something. That's what I'm saying. going to be bad. I don't think it's going to be great or anything, but I think it might be okay. Uh, so, you know, this was, I mean, my best ones are not going to be on here, you know, like I, when I'm really like the, the whole, one of the chief grill pill uh, philosophies is don't do two things at once, only do one thing at a time. So I'm already violating key grill pill scripture by doing this, but I felt like we all deserved it after all this talk and all these journeys together on all these YouTubes and all these comment sections. Just a nice communal thing. So for one time, really, I feel like this will be fun. But my best grilling is going to be when I have the undivided. It's just me and the grill. Me and the grill and the fire and the quietude. Or the conviviality of, a, of friendly, friendly eventual comrades, if that day ever comes. I think it's coming soon. I think the... I think the I think the containment s seal on the quarantine is snapped. I think people are gonna be back out pretty quickly. In fact, you could almost argue that, uh, shit, okay, you guys wanna get really galaxy-brained insane? I, I wanna put an asterisk on this right now. Okay, this is insane. This is like total speculation. I actually kind of feel sad saying it, bad saying it, because I feel like it kind of is irresponsible to put this in the world sort of Rocco's Basilisk style, Basilisk, however you say it. Uh, but it also, I can't get it out of my head now that I'm thinking about it. So we've talked about how the consumer economy is broken, right, because of COVID. And there's no other way to recapitalize the American economy that, other than the consumer sector, because that's all we have left. We, we stripped out all the other infrastructure and sold it off and, and, and outsourced it. So you can pour all the money into this hole, but there's no bottom to it. So it's never going to start piling up and be useful and so something has to be done to change this dynamic because you can open doors we've talked about this you can open back up but that's only going to confess some people to go back outside namely people who are ideologically uh, resistant to the idea that there is even a virus i.e. conservatives people with their own ecosystem of uh, knowledge their own epistemic tree that say no this isn't even real I want to put my hair done I want to eat the cheesy dip and fippers at uh, Funkleby's so they break containment first because that's barely anything restraining them. But there's still a big mass of people, not even liberals, but like regular normal people who are sort of apolitical, uh, who are... Helicopters messing with my train of thought. Uh, fuck, what was I saying? 
I completely, the fucking helicopter just destroyed my train of, train of thought. You guys got to tell me where I was when I stopped there. Oh, okay, yeah, now I'm at, thank you. So, so you can't get people who believe in the virus to go back shopping because they think they might get sick because they believe in science. They follow the regular mainstream epistemic tree. So they're like, yeah, I'm not gonna go and hurt myself. So even if you open up, they're still not gonna go out. You need to break the seal. You need to break the enchantment of the scientific consensus around COVID. You can't do it piecemeal because you don't have time. So what if you create through a domestic gladio type situation a provocation designed to stoke a series of escalating civic disturbances that essentially give a lot of these urban uh, liberals uh, a, a moral justification for stepping outside and back into the consumer economy. So that now when they open up, everybody's out there and you can restart the engine. I'm not saying that is true. I literally just made it up. But tell me if it doesn't kind of make sense. But that's one of those like matrix questions where even if it's true, you still have to act the same way because you can't know, you know, how can you know, how can you know? It's, it's no way to be proven unless somebody drops a big bag of documents. And even then it would probably get absorbed into the question of, oh, is that a false flag? Is that fake? Is that a deep fake? Is that a Russian op? Is that, is that, uh, is that, is that a government spook uh, op trying to tell us that it's a government spook op? How do you get around that, you know? So you gotta just move forward, no matter what. I'm not saying it'll work either, by the way. Like, it might, the damage might be too deep, but that's, I think, a possible outcome of this, is that everybody's fine. Like, when they open up again, they're like, hey, if I was willing to risk it to go outside to walk around in a, in a protest for a couple hours, how much more now that I've already broken the seal of containment, I've already violated that sense that I'm, I'm gonna, you know, because the thing is, all of that was sustained by the hysteria around COVID. The idea that everyone will die of it. This will kill everyone. Uh, even if you look at COVID, it will kill you. You think it's 1%. It could actually be 15%. It could be 115%. You had to be that, the stakes had to be that high to keep you indoors, to keep you a good person for risking it. So going outside means, well, I value these issues. I value police brutality. I value uh, uh, the police state. I value fighting back against these tyrannies and racism. I, be I, I believe in those values more than I'm afraid of this spreading this virus. So that means that you have to tamp down in your head how much you fear the virus. So from now on, you're not as scared of the virus, which means you're more likely to weigh going out to a bar. Wouldn't it be nice to go to a bar? Oh my God. We'll get a beer in you. Oh my God. Mm. Sit down in a restaurant, maybe. Okay, go to a karaoke night. Because now, and now the fear has been shrunk to size. Nothing's changed in the science. You didn't find out, oh, it actually doesn't kill you. No, it still kills people. It's still killing people. It's killing fewer people because of shelter in place. And now it's going up again because of the relaxation of shelter in place. But this is literally the process I was talking about where we get used to hundreds of thousands of people dying. This is how we end up gaining complicity in it. This is how at the end of this, we look back and say, holy shit, 700,000 people died and we were all kind of okay with it because we all felt like at some point we weighed the risks and said it was worth it. Whether it was because we wanted to go to Fuddruckers or we wanted to end racism. One is a more uh, lofty and, mer and uh, meritous goal, but they are still 
both shrinking your sphere of the, the your fear of the d- disease and also the degree to which you think of it as deadly the degree to which you're going to notice the number of people who die from it because you're going to start feel personally involved too because you went outside you made that choice so when the bodies start piling up you've been uh you've been now before you weren't when we were all locked in waiting for the government we weren't we were we were good people we were good people who were following orders well for the best of everybody because that's what science told us and we know science doesn't care about uh political beliefs uh, but now that we're out and we decided to, it was worth the risk, that means that if people die, we're going to measure it against that. And we're going to be like, we made that choice because we thought it was worth it. But now we are, we are inculcated. Now we're, we, are, we all have blood on our hands now. It's like, it's like a murder in the Orient Express. We all did the murder. Out damn spot. And there's nothing, no way out of that morass now. And now they've normalized the death of maybe a million people. Who knows how many? Because now we're all feeling complicit in it in some way. All right, I'm checking the stakes. I don't know. All right. I'm going to try to sear now. I'm going to try to sear try to see it. I know that's not not long, just a little bit. I'm at, my ass is flat. I'm a white boy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thin ass, flat, I'm a flat ass, P-F-L-A-T, flat ass white boy. A white guy. surrendered any plan for this thing to be great than to be right off the bat a perfect hit uh, but I think I will be able to make it uh, tasty uh, it'll probably be a solid B but I'm managing expectations between the stream and the grilling for maximum personal enjoyment so I set my sights low now if it's better than that I'm delighted and if it isn't I'm not disappointed as much and I can just enjoy the ride and I don't have to worry about it it's grill pilling advice from yours truly to thou art and as i said i will ensure that it is fully cooked and even if it's a little not uh you know steak is one of the least dangerous meats to cook uh, to eat rare I do have a lone slow project. I actually, I saw somebody pointed out how to do the snake method to, to smoke with the 22 uh, kettle, 22 inch kettle. And I have a big hunk of uh, pork shoulder that is in my freezer. And I was thinking that I could put that baby in the smoker. Well, you know, I know you gotta put the tray of water in there next to it. You just put it in there for like 12 hours or something. Uh, I could definitely see myself doing that. That sounds a lot of fun.
yeah, because I looked at, I look, it's amazing how all this stuff is, I was, I was a little intimidated by that charcoal because, you know, I'm not naturally gifted in these kind of things. And I was worried it would be a little hard to manage and, you know, maintain temperatures and things like that. But uh, there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of idiot proofing in these things that make it easier to do. I mean, they're saying asymptomatic people, think about that. They're saying asymptomatic people aren't, uh, aren't contagious now. Remember how that was orthodoxy? That was one of the big things that people yelled at each other to convince themselves that it was good to stay in. That it's, you could have it, you could have it and still be giving it to people. You stupid, or I hate you. That was the justification for, for condemning others and for, uh, for feeling better about your, your shitty decision to stay inside, which sucks. Now, I mean, if, if it, from the beginning you could honestly say, I don't feel sick, I'm probably not going to get anybody else sick, and people couldn't say that's not true, it would have been much, much harder to enforce this entire, uh, this entire thing. This is why you can't do conspiracy theory stuff, because it's way too easy to create these things out of whole cloth. So I just made up that thing about restarting the economy, right? Well, I could connect it even further back. They also did the COVID thing uh, as a, as a, um, as a false flag, as like, like as not as, not as made up, but like as an engineered uh, uh, virus. Uh, but then also in addition to that, false flagged up in the point of like hyping the crisis and, and juking the, the, the science at the top levels to create a consensus around this is being super terrifying because there was a super big crackdown coming in capitalism. Like the, the American economy was at the end of its uh, elasticity. It was gonna snap. And things were, everything was wildly overpriced. And maybe this, the thought was this, you could just, you could short the fucking market. Like you could do a, a class-wide, like global 1% shorting of the market where you get as liquid as possible and then fucking just drop the whole thing to the goddamn guard floor and then build it back up with, you know, that faucet of uh, public money, the global cash pile. Uh, and then you have re you repurchase at essentially pennies on the dollar. And the thing is, that's very compelling and persuasive narratively. And, and if you really think it's too elegant, what you end up doing is you start looking for ways to justify that. And then you get that, you get that, uh, that, that bias towards confirmation that people have, confirmation bias. And before you know it, you've, you've transcended reality. But the thing is, there's also a world where that was 100% true. Everything I just said is how it happened. We don't know if it's this world, though. And we can't assume it is because it's unprovable. All we know is what we see in front of us. The steak is not a shoe. I don't have a very hot fire going, is the thing. I didn't get, I didn't use enough coals to begin with, so it's not very hot. Ooh, that actually looks good. Oh. Honestly, bros and broettes, I think you guys might eat crow on this while I eat steak. It's look, I just flipped it, it looked good. I think another three or four minutes on the side, I think it's gonna be good, and even if it isn't, There'll be a nice crispy exterior that'll be worth the tum num 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 num. Ha ba ha ba 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 ba. I forgot that I mean going to need a uh, cup.
cutlery. So I'll be right back. the dice a bit off the cut off piece. Alright guys. I know this is a very men going their own way Thing, just a piece of steak on a plate but like I said trying to manage the number of balls I'm gonna competently be able to toss and a side was gonna be way beyond my pay grade so I'm gonna take a look at this guy that's my boy uh, T-bone Saddle Creek I believe or Saddle River or something like that sound off in the comments if you think it looks good Got some meat here. Oh man, dudes, this is really good. Uh, I have, uh, yeah, look at it. Oh, I got a nice goal. I'm with you guys here. How good am I gonna do this when I'm able to focus? Look at this guy. That is a medium rare. Look at that guy. Hmm. Cooked through. Mm -mm. Oh boy, that's delicious. And the beauty of these Weber's is now, I just let the bur coals burn down a little bit, then I put the top on. You close the vents and it seals it in. 
It's self-extinguishing. Just great. So elegant, so intricate. And I was able to put it together in like 20 minutes. No, no ketchup on steak. No, 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 no. I, I like I like sauces like peppercorn. Uh, Bernays is good. Uh, horseradish, really, probably my favorite. I wish I had horseradish in this damn house. They don't have any at my grocery store. I don't know why. But um, no, no ketchup. Ketchup is um, ketchup is too much of its own st a star. You know, honestly, I think that's it. People think ketchup is too fan is not fancy enough. But what it really is, is this ketchup is too much of a scene stealer because it is so richly delicious. It's such a perfect umami and it's so like resonant. It draws attention away from what should otherwise be the focus and the star of the show. That's why you put it on something like a burger, which is not nearly as, you know, toothsome by itself. Mm. Man, I killed this. I can't believe I killed this. I thought this was going to be a disaster. I uh, never did the reverse sear before. Like I said, it might be a little, little undercooked at some points, but I'm rolling the dice because you only live once. And you only grill once. Oh my god, I didn't even mean that. Oh my god, is you only grill... Wait a minute, that's not even a... That isn't even anything. Never once. Never mind. I'm distracted. How long have I been on? License to grill, baby. License to grill. Oh, 54 minutes. Mmm. Man, this is so good. I realize that uh, as I sit here, you know, in my decadent backyard with my my bourgeois accompaniments and backyard grilling and, uh, and fine steaks. My, f my full David Brooksian embodiment as an American, white male American consumer of middle age. That I should uh, say one thing about class that I said on the last stream, but I want to elaborate on it. Somebody said that when I, I talked about how I think Chapo and other people like us do podcasts where we charge directly to the consumer uh, would te are technically not not workers under capitalism, not not petty bourgeois really even, and certainly not capitalists. They are artisans, a pre-mentioned capitalist form that's still embedded unevenly and eventually will be done away with. I mean, look. Look, do you guys see how Spotify is trying to buy up all the big podcasts? They bought Joe Rogan. They bought Last House Podcasts on the left. They're going to try to do what George Hurst did to the fucking gold claims at Deadwood and roll it up under one big thing. And then the, the artisans will be gone. Just like what happened in the, the woolen trades in, in, in the, in the uh, 1840s in Europe. But we're still there for now. We're still embedded in it for now at this point. And the thing is, somebody said that that's trying to, like, 
absolve us of our class position because it doesn't uh, address how much money we make. But the thing is, is that income is independent of class. That has a correlation, but that correlation does not begin at the level of class. It is, it's, it's like, a, it's superstructural. It's, income is superstructurally related to class. Class position is one's personal relationship to the means of production. A laborer sells his time and labor, his labor time. Capitalist buys it. Small bourgeois uh, is like a small whole, uh, 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 you know, uh, self-exploits as well as exploits uh, the labor of others. All that stuff. They all make more and less money. But that's independent. But it correlates highly with being a capitalist because that's the thing. You get you extract the profits out of the system. You extract the surplus. If you're on the top of the exchange, of course you're gonna you're gonna have more. And more importantly, that so like if I'm if I'm an artisan, I am not part of capital, I'm not a, a, a capitalist, as long as all the money I'm getting for my artisan work I spend on myself that I just put through my hands. I don't buy anything, I don't hold anything. I don't buy land, I don't become a rentier, I don't buy stock, I don't invest myself in the economy. If I don't do that, I am, I am not, even if I'm making millions of dollars, I am not part of capitalism. I am an embedded relic, I am an artisan. But that's not what happens, the more money you have, Eventually, you buy things with it. That's what it does. So you buy land. You buy more, more land than you need. You get passive rents from that land. You buy stock. Now you're an owner in a company that purchases the labor power of others. Now you're embedded in capitalism. So you are, to some extent, invested in capitalism's uh, uh, maintenance. But that's independent of your role as an artisan. It all flows out of the income of being an artisan. If you're a poor artisan, you will never be a capitalist. I think this has been a great stream, guys. Good talks, good bants. I think we've got somewhere with some of this stuff. And the steak is out of this world. I realized, by the way, today, we recorded an episode where we talked about the protests and everything. And it's the first time we've actually directly like talked about the streams. And I wonder how many people listening to the show don't even know about these. I hope there's an influx of viewers, because I really feel like I'm getting at something here, and I like the feedback. Petty bourgeois person does not have a fully extractive relationship to the market like a capitalist does. He is exploited by capital. But he also exploits capital, which puts him in a balanced position between the two major classes. Which is why the way that the petty bourgeois goes depends on who has the balance of forces on their side. They tip towards the winning hand. That's what happened. That's what's traditionally happened. And that's certainly what happened in the Democratic primary. Like the idea that we personally drove away the Warren voters 
by being mean to them is wildly idiotic and undialectical, I'm afraid. They were, as soon as Biden's hand was ex strengthened by the, the, the DNC Obama intervention and, and the entire suburban white uh, Democratic uh, electorate, the, the, the six-figure-plus management types who make up the backbone of the party, decided on mass on Biden. It was all over but the fighting, uh, but the shouting. The Warrenistas were tipping to the strong hand. No amount of being nice to them or mean to them would have changed that. All right, guys, I'm going to finish up this steak, I think, and uh, log off soon. I think it's been like an hour, right? I'm feeling really good, though. I'm feeling like I'm entering new levels of... Uh, I'm unlocking new levels here. The, the introduction of the actual grill, the imitation... Like, this is even in miniature what I'm talking about. The immunization of the grilling concept from a, a, a um, what do you call it, a metaphor to a direct physical intervention in my life, a direct a material manifestation in front of me, something that I interact with, with my senses, not just virtually, with my senses, that I feel touch, build up, feel invested into the degree that I built it up. Like, and now this space feels different. Like, this place with a grill is a different place than it was without a grill. I want to do different things with it. It changes my life. It expands my social circle. I'm going to have more people over here with this grill once people start doing that, which is not going to be long, than I would have without. Because why do I want to sit back here just like a bunch of schmucks when we have the grill? So I know it's a very facile uh, uh, example, but I really do think that that a lot of this stuff is fractal and that like you know a small example does shine a greater light and and if you look close enough you can see the connections so i'm going to finish up this delicious t-bone right now and uh then i'm going to go in oh no i'm going to do i'm going to finish moby dick i think it's a real book that whale is nuts ahab though he's uh um i like the cut of his jib as they say Bye bye